Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Sarah. When planning our home birth, my husband Matthew and I were really frustrated by the lack of empowering and honest home birth resources. So we created this podcast to start a new conversation for moms and families like us. This is Doing It at Home. Hey guys, welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. Today is a really well-timed episode, and it just sort of happened that way. We didn't really plan it intentionally. So if you listen to our last episode, number 82, we spoke with Jessica Moore, the creator of the documentary Why Not Home, which explores why medical professionals who provide hospital birth care are choosing to birth outside of the hospital and have home births. Well, Enter Alyssa, whose story we have today. Alyssa is not associated with the film Why Not Home at all, but she's an example of exactly who is featured and talked about in Why Not Home, and it pairs really nicely, especially if you listened to the last episode. So anyway, Alyssa is a registered nurse, and most of her experience is in the postpartum and nursery units, so she knows what it's like to work in a hospital and be around birth, and yet she herself chose to have a home birth, which is really cool. And she chose in the third trimester. So it's just an example of how it's never too late to choose the birth plan that works best for you and to choose the model of care that you really want. And Alyssa is one of our hashtag birth junkies out there who's just really passionate about birth and she knows a lot about it too. So she has a ton of resources that she drops throughout our conversation. And we have plenty of links to that on the website for you at DIAA podcast.com. Anyway, I'm going to shut up and just jump right into this episode because it's so cool. Thank you, Alyssa, and enjoy. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
Hi, Alyssa. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. We are so grateful for you hanging out with us today. How the heck are you? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So are we. We are, are very <laughs> excited. We really appreciated your email and the message you sent and just kind of sharing a little bit about yourself. And ever since we read that, we've just been very pumped to jump into this conversation with you. So like Sarah said, thank you again. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. I'm pumped. I'm as equally pumped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, kick it off with just telling us a little bit about yourself and where you live and your family. Awesome. Well, um, my name's Alyssa. My husband's name is Chris. And my I have a daughter who's going to be two in August named Zoe. We live in San Antonio, Texas, so kind of central Texas. Um, and I, and the reason I kind of emailed you is I, I'm very passionate about birth. I'm an, I'm a registered nurse here locally. Um, and I've been a nurse for a little under four years and I've kind of had a smattering of different experiences, but the majority of it was spent as a postpartum nurse at a local hospital. So, um, that definitely colored and informed my birth choices <laughs> and maybe a little birth fears. <laughs> and that's kind of what brought me, well, I was passionate about birth before, hence why I became a postpartum nurse, but that's kind of how that all really culminated. <laughs> wow. So I'm sure that comes with a mixed bag of things. Like you said, you know, your, your passion <laughs> and your interests, but also some fears in there. Like it just all gets mixed up. Yes, that's so true. You see so many amazing, beautiful, lovely experiences in the hospital, regardless of whatever that entails for each mom. And then some really scary, sometimes not so great outcomes, not just necessarily sometimes perceived and actual outcomes because you do get moms who come in and maybe had one expectation. And then as we all know, in birth that sometimes things don't always go according to plan. And I yeah. think that wasn't that on your last podcast that was, or one of the recent podcasts was sometimes curveballs come and, and you just have to cope with them. And right. it's a bit of a roller coaster. Exactly. Yeah. So then given your environment and where you were at and being passionate about birth beforehand, what were some ideas or visions that you had for yourself eventually when you had children? Um, well, funny enough, I actually, like I thought prior to becoming pregnant um, and having to make the decisions for my own birth, I actually like thought, <laughs> this is just so funny, I thought that home birth was like only something you could do in like LA and yeah. New York City. <laughs> like they didn't have wow. that available like in Texas, which is not really known for being on the like cutting medical edge. <laughs> and I have friends who have had home births. And I didn't know it. It wow. was not something I knew about till I was looking at my own options. I actually started with an obstetrician and did the traditional route of, you know, early sonogram and, you know, five minute doctor visits with two hour waits, you yeah, know, that whole yeah. spiel that everybody talks about, I feel like when they have an obstetrician and, uh, it just didn't like feel right. And that's actually when I started like researching and asking friends, uh, you know, about their different stories and realizing that there's actually a huge, and I feel like that probably with a lot of places in the United States and, and beyond that there's actually like a huge home birth slash birth center community, you know, community out there that I just didn't even know about. Mm -hmm. And I was so thankful that I was able to kind of dive into that because it really opened my mind being in the medical field 
a lot of those people think that's the only way. And I certainly think it's an important way. And I'm so grateful that we have Absolutely. modern medicine. Yes. But yeah. yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only way, I guess I should say. <laughs> so what was your reaction when you were asking your friends and you heard from that first friend of yours that said, I actually, I, I had a home birth. What was your reaction to that? Oh, I was thrilled and intrigued, which I think is probably like based on their reaction to my reaction is unusual. And that I, you know, I would say in my experience, I feel like it's usually like, what? You did what? Are you crazy? Mm, yeah. But I was like, oh my gosh, tell me everything. Start from conception. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and go. <laughs> I want to know everything. Um, but I just, I loved hearing their stories and each one is so different, whether they be like, actually, um, I randomly, and I've even met people who have the same midwife that I delivered with that I didn't know, you know, we just met randomly. That's cool. And even with the same midwife, the experiences are so beautiful and unique and different. And so I was just enthralled. I was like, I need to know everything. <laughs> I want to know every single detail. That we get it. Yeah. Is, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's just why like... this podcast so appeals to me because I just, I feel like I get to like sit down with my coffee, like when I listen to it and okay, it's like I'm sitting down with a friend and I want to hear all about the birth or their story or whatever story it is that day, that day. Right, right. You just settle in, big eyes, open ears. I'm like, let's do this. <laughs> exactly. Yes, it's my dream. If I could just find a job instead of being a nurse, maybe I could just like talk, like listen to people's stories. That would be delightful. <laughs> I'm going to find that niche. Yeah, that sounds pretty nice. I like that too. <laughs> right? I guess you kind of get that a little bit, but then you have that interviewing aspect. So you kind of get both ends. Yeah, yeah, we do. And I'm I'm remembering now, like early on when Sarah, when you presented the home birth kind of idea and hearing those early accounts from people and just being, like you said, Alyssa, just a mix of just intrigue and excitement and a little like, what? Okay, hold on. Tell me more. I got got to learn more about this. Yes. Oh, 100%. It's uh, just each story. There's just so much beauty and and just such a beautiful story in each moment in each story it's just i can't i'm in, i'm enthralled really and then you made the shift on your own home birth journey a little i guess we could say later in the game um yeah. than than most i mean we made the switch almost halfway through but you were in your third trimester right i was i was i think i was just in the third trimester i was like 31 32 weeks and i think that's uh, i forget the numbers of where the trimesters cut in but it was like right at the beginning or no is that wait is 28 weeks the third trimester oh goodness i can't do math we are not the people to (laughs) no no well i think 13 ish 14 ish is like the first so then like 20 yeah so i guess that would make sense so at any rate i guess i was well into my third trimester it doesn't feel like it because i didn't deliver till 42 weeks so the third trimester lasted forever but (laughs) gotcha but yes it was a bit uh, later it was because, so I actually went from, so I, as I said, I went from an OB and then I went to a midwife group that, that delivered at the hospital because again, my mindset, which I feel like is kind of common was, Oh, the hospital is the only way. Um, that was still at that point where I hadn't really found out about the community yet. Um, and so I was like, well, what's a way I can still be within those parameters that society kind of dictates, but get a little more power, a little bit more personable or personal touch, I guess, sure. in my care. 
And a bit, and what really drives me, I want to really say, is evidence-based practice. A lot of people go to home birth because it's a more natural route, which I a thousand percent agree with. But actually, there's a lot of aspects about uh, um, home birth that is about evidence-based care. And if people don't know what that is, evidence-based care is just what's the best practice? What are the statistics and the outcomes tell us? And and in the United States, really as a whole. Are actually our outcomes are really low on the kind of ratings for first world countries. We are like the at the bottom of the list. I don't actually remember exactly what number, but that's a lot of countries. Like I think some 40 some odd countries are ahead of us as far as statistics goes. And in a country where we consider ourselves to be kind of um, what's the word, where you're kind of on top and you you we like to be on the cutting edge. So um so anyways, I went with the midwife group that only delivered at a hospital, and that was much better care, but it still was a bit more kind of similar to the OB route as far as um, there's these five or six midwives, and whoever's on call basically at this specific hospital will be where you, you know, who you deliver with, and um, each time you go to your appointment, it's whichever midwife is on, and they were all super lovely and just just, I can't sing their praises enough. It's just, it wasn't quite enough for me. I actually found like, I'm like, I need to get a little crunchier. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, they like, for example, the real crux actually, um, of why I probably would have stuck with them had this one little teeny tiny thing been different is that they actually didn't allow you because of hospital policy, not necessarily their own midwife practice, but, um, didn't allow you to deliver in the tub. You could labor, but not deliver. And I guess that's actually okay. becoming common. I've heard that happening, even though there's actually yeah. not been any kind of real, re- real hard, you know, hard research that shows that that's actually bad. So I don't really know what that is about. But at any rate, um, and I thought, well, I just, you know, I, I really like baths when I don't feel good. Like if I just have like a cold and your body aches, a bath is kind of my default. So I'm I the same. Yeah. guessed, right. It's just so soothing and I don't know, just helps you deal. Um, and so I thought, Oh, I'll definitely want a water birth. And, um, I made my husband even watch the business of being born. I'd watched it way before I got pregnant because I just, again, all things birth I want to hear about, but he was actually the one that was the, like that crux moment of, I was like, watch this. This is what I want, but we can't do it because we're in Texas. And he's like, Alyssa, like we know people have had home births. And I was like, why? What are you talking about? He's, you know, I was trying to show him this video to help me get that at the hospital. And he's kind of like, why are you jumping through all these hoops? And they don't even do what you want as far as the water birth. And we can just do what our other friends have done before with another midwife. It blew my mind. I had like this mind shift for a while. And that was, that was at like 30 weeks. And then at 31 or 32 is when we moved, if I'm not mistaken, when we actually went and looked for a midwife and found ours. (laughs) Long story short. (laughs) Well, so it sounds like, sounds like Chris was just totally on board and he was supportive in, in creating the experience that you really wanted. Yes. He's so amazing. He's kind of, very calm. I'm a bit more of a type A <laughs> planner, which I think is somewhat common as far as the stereotypes go. But 
he definitely is like the calm, steady presence who's like, what, like, why, why are you making this harder, Alyssa? Why? <laughs> Let's just go do the home birth and get what you want. Yeah, I can relate to that. Like, why do you want the struggle <laughs> route? Why do you want the path of more resistance? I ask and then myself you're like, I don't sometimes. know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> For fun. Um, I love a lot of the stuff that you just mentioned and just take like one step back your perspective and your, your sharing on the evidence-based practice is awesome. That's actually not something we talk about a whole lot on the show. You know, we kind of dive into the more experiential and the, you know, just the story piece around these yeah. home births. But to really look at the statistics and what is what is the data telling us? And yeah, it's it's a shake your head type of moment when you just look at how far behind we are in, yes. in birth comparatively speaking. And ugh, it's it's frustrating. So there's oh, yes. that piece. And then also what you mentioned about the shift and the, you know, laboring in water, but not birthing in water. I've heard of that changing as well in hospitals here in Atlanta and the surrounding Atlanta region. Hospitals that were, you know, very friendly to more natural and family-centered births are kind of making a shift away from that recently. And I don't know if it's a like cover their butts type of deal or, yeah. you know, there was one one scenario that they want to make an example out of. Like, I don't know, but that it is kind of happening. So it's interesting, you know, that that's going on over there too. That's, that is a strange, I, I have heard, this is not me like giving you exact facts, by the way. So <laughs> take this with a grain of salt. But I, from my um, understanding as of like a year or two ago, it was because there was a um, not so good outcome with a baby in a water birth. But from the research that I did at the time, if again, this was like a year or two ago. So the, the facts are a little fuzzier now. But um, I believe the baby did pass away, but which is very sad. And of course, I mean, we should be researching and doing the due diligence on that situation. But from what the outcome seemed to have been, it, it didn't from the research that was done within that, uh, you know, that team, they didn't find it was correlated with the water birth. Right. But like you said, they've got to cover their butts, which is kind of get on a half my soapbox is that I feel like so much of medicine is liability based and right. not based on patients or, or mothers or whatever the yes. area is. And I think that's honestly, I think I, again, fuzzier on the facts because it's been a couple years, but I think that's why that started. And it's just such a shame to go actually against what's better for, for parents, for babies because of liability. That's just a oh, heartbreaking to me as, as a nurse. It's just like, this is not what we do. This is not the point of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I think for, for me, one of the big takeaways from just listening in on the conversation you both were having was about the importance of educating yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and just, and that's something that we hear again and again from, from moms and families on this podcast is how much self-education they did, you know, looking up articles, reading different books, reaching out to different people, talking with experts. You know, it, 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 that to me is um, incredibly important in just being informed. Um, but then also, it, I believe it, it allows the, the mom and the families to just be a little bit more at ease with mm -hmm, their decision, so you know, be able to find that peace, that calm, that confidence in what they're choosing. And so um, that's, you know, that's something that I want to put out to, to all listeners, you know, if, if, you're planning your birth right now, just be the most educated that you can. So true. So true. And I, that's what, um, 
when you have a doctor, let's take it away from home birth. Like if you're going to have a cardiac procedure, let's just do that. Your doctor is supposed to be the one that says, here's the benefits, here's the risks. Let's weigh these two things and, and come up with our, with our results, whether that be a surgery or whatever. But I feel like in birth, like you said, moms have to do all that research for your, for yourself because you can't necessarily count on a physician to give you the equal risk benefit. Physicians are brilliant. And I don't mean to discredit the medical field because they're just wonderful. But unfortunately in their schooling nowadays, they aren't given as much of a broad, um, uh, schooling in education. That's the better word. Um, in, like breech births and uh, you know all the all, all the things that don't necessarily go according to plan, and so unfortunately I think it seems that they're not always really well versed on giving the risk benefit ratio, which is kind of supposed to be the hallmark of a physician. Informed consent, like when you go to a hospital and consent for an epidural or whatever procedure, whether it be birth or not, informed consent is supposed to be here's the risks, here's the benefits let's make our decision. Whereas right now it's almost just in my, in my experience, I'm sure there are amazing hospitals and there really are. I've worked with amazing nurses and physicians, but some of them, it's just, here's what you need to do. And I'm going to feed you some fear tactics to not do anything else, which right. I don't p- particularly agree with. Right. <laughs> Something like if this doesn't happen in the next hour, I'm leaving. So we're going to give you this and cut you open. Otherwise, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. Do you want your baby to die? Like that, like when people say that, I'm just like, are you, are you kidding me? There's just not a better way. I mean, and we're not talking like an emergency cesarean where it's like, this baby needs to be out in seven minutes. Like that's not the situation I'm talking about. I'm talking about like an episiotomy or something that could maybe wait or, you know, I don't know, things like that, where it's just like, maybe we could verbiage, you know, use different verbiage on this situation. Shall we? It's a bit of a heated moment. Let's not like, and then this mom, instead of being informed consent and risk benefit uh, risk uh, benefit ratio, instead it's, am I killing my baby if I don't do this? Which is not informed consent. That's not at all, in my mm. opinion. <laughs> right. And then you have women on the other end of their birth experiences feeling mistreated or wronged or like they've they've missed out uh, on something, lost, yes. guilty, shame. Like, oh gosh, the list goes on and on. Yes. Oh, you're so, you're so right. And that's, and, and that's where postpartum nursing is so different. I think from labor and delivery nursing, labor and delivery nursing, they're kind of dealing with the medical aspect postpartum, of course is medical and we're managing, you know, making sure you're not hemorrhaging or something like that. But a lot of it actually is education and just support. I feel like it's a little bit more doula-y. I mean, it's still medical, but you know, I, there is a lot of like talking with moms and you know, especially like right after where they're kind of almost like glassy eyed, like, I don't even know what just happened. Everything went so quick and it was so different. And there's kind of helping moms get local resources even because, um, it does seem that people who had, uh, not necessarily, not even unexpected outcomes because you can have unexpected outcomes and still roll with the punches. Like kind of like the, the NICU nurse that y'all interviewed previously, mm-hmm, she, yeah. she was still able to, like you said, have this beautiful, like she felt she had a beautiful experience, even though things didn't go according to plan. It's, I think it's about the power and the, like you kind of talked about that knowledge. She had a lot of it. So she was able to kind of know what, what do four steps really mean? What do Whereas maybe your average mom may not. And I think that po- feeling like that power has been taken is 
uh, is where the the emotions can sometimes change your perspective, in my opinion, just my experiential opinion. Very well said in your experiential opinion, which is <laughs> not, appreciated. Not appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> There's not necessarily stats to back me up on that. It's just what I found. And so that that's the beautiful thing about postpartum nursing is beautiful and hard because sometimes it is hard and, and they're only, you know, a patient's only, a mom's only there for a couple of days. And so there's kind of a limit on how much you can help necessarily. So a lot of it's here, here are some resources for when you leave because you may deal with postpartum depression or baby blues a little bit harder than someone who maybe had a great experience. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything, not necessarily, but it can. Right. Right. Ooh, that's a lot. I think I'm gonna. Yes. I think I'm gonna need a second to process that. So we're gonna take a real quick break, and then we'll come back. Hey, doing it at home, mamas. Sarah here, and I need to take a second to tell you about something that I made for you. Yes, you, moms just like us, who are clear that we need to take care of ourselves in this game of motherhood. We need to experience balance, but sometimes we're not really quite sure how to do it, or we feel like we don't have the time. I get it. So I created the Balanced Mama Moment audio series, a 20-part audio experience that dives into what it means to make a balanced mama moment for yourself and how you can apply that to all areas of your life to help you in this crazy journey of motherhood. So go to sarahbivens.com and click on Balanced Mama to learn more. Again, that's sarahbivens.com and click Balanced Mama. Okay, so in making your decision to go home birth, how was the the process of sharing that with friends, family, coworkers, or did you, or what did that look like? Yes, um, with my family, with the immediate family, I was very open. Um, most of them kind of trust. They know that I'm really passionate about evidence evidence based things in all aspects of my nursing career. Um, such for now, uh, I don't just do postpartum. Now I've expanded my practice where I fill into all kinds of different places. But so they really trusted that I'd done my research. Most of them, there were a couple people who were like, um, you know, the traditional, like, are you sure? Did you know that that's less safe? And I'm like, actually, and then I go on my <laughs> tangent of, let me tell you more information than you really wanted to know. Right? You don't know what you just signed up for. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, you know, their eyes are big and they're kind of just like, wow, okay. And then that didn't happen anymore. But I, I didn't attack them. It's just like, I don't think you really understand what you are talking about. Um, and, uh, so other than one or two people, my family and the immediate family was really, really open and receptive. And in fact, um, my, my side of the family is actually not very, they don't, um, really agree with a lot of modern medicine, which actually usually I'm the one that's like, no, you need to go to the doctor for this, <laughs> like this thing unrelated to birth. Um, and they're the ones that are like, no, no, I'll just take some vitamins. So it was kind of funny how it was like this opposite, you know, where I'm like, no, no, you don't actually need to, I don't have to go to the doctor to have a baby. It was kind of a funny little uh, opposite there. That is <laughs> but, cool. Um, like some role uh, reversal. Yeah, exactly. And they were all, so they were all super on board with that. Um, and then I didn't actually tell many friends or coworkers because a lot of them are in the nursing field just because that's where I'm at, you kind of bloom where you're planted, you know? So a lot of my friends are RNs and are in the birth area of, of registered nursing. And I didn't tell them, I just, 
because it was so late in the game that I actually had moved, I just didn't tell them that last move to a mm. home birth midwife. Yeah. I just was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to just still deliver at this one hospital. And, um, like, I was afraid if I went into labor, I was so afraid to go into labor at work. Maybe that's why I went up to 42 weeks because I afraid they, I was afraid they, like, weren't going to let me leave. Not, like, oh, trap me, yeah. but just, like, oh, you're in labor. Come, we'll, like, have a baby right here. It'll be great. I can and imagine. Like, no. <laughs> and this is a wonderful hospital. I do not mean to denounce this hospital. It's just I wanted a home birth, you know? And so it was like. Don't go into labor. Don't go into labor. <laughs> and it didn't happen. Um, which, which uh, by 41 weeks, you're like, Jesus, when am I going to go into labor? Um, but at any rate, so then they didn't find out till after. And there was definitely some backlash as far as, um, you know, and it was all very indirect. No one would tell me directly, which actually frustrates me because at least if someone would talk to me directly, I could very clearly like explain what the decision process was like. Um, and that maybe some of their preconceived notions being in the field, uh, maybe are a little bit, maybe they are preconceived. It's not just facts, you know, that they think are infallible. Um, and so there was more indirect comments kind of basically insinuating that home, anyone who has a home birth, like wants their baby to die. Like that, that's literally what people indirectly Oof. said, not about me, but about like, posting articles on Facebook, like right after my birth. And you're like where I kind of came out of the closet and was like, we had her at home. Here's some pictures. And that's why my furniture is in the background, like that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you're just like, uh, that's just really not, a that's not a dialogue where one wants to hear any kind of facts or information. Uh, That's just kind of narrow minded, like not gonna, yeah, not receptive. But my whole thing that I, um, kind of talk to people who are in that med- medical field is that so um, kind of the medical like method of care kind of the name of the game is triage that's so when you go to the hospital you generally start in the ER and there's a triage nurse and she says um, how high acuity you are and acuity just means like severity of your illness like heart attack you're going straight to the back and they're going to work on you immediately you have a cold you're going to wait a little while because you know, that heart attack needs to be taken care of first, just for example. So I don't understand why birth, which is not a pathological process um, in and of itself, it's not, there's nothing necessarily wrong. Pathology can come into it, such as infection, um, hemorrhage, et cetera, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's the, what's going to happen. So why is it that when you're talking about birth, you have to immediately go to the like heart attack acuity. It, you know, why not go to the, you know, or like even before NER, you can go to like a little med clinic, you know, for like a little cold or whatever. Why not have a low risk mom have, you know, do the majority of the laboring at home and then go to a birth center or have her have the baby at home or, you know, whatever kind of tier that you choose. I just, I kind of asked them why that doesn't, why it can be in medicine one way is, oh, triage is okay, but no, not for birth. Triage isn't okay. That doesn't actually make sense in medicine. The scientific method's actually supposed to make sense. You're supposed to be able to kind of do A and have B result. And so it kind of gets to me when people kind of allow that hypocrisy and don't really value that, like, there should be a little consistency, in my opinion, (laughs) in medicine. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm oh, going a, a little bit down the tube of like raging feminist rant, but I'm right. like yes. calming it because all I'm thinking in my head is like patriarchal society. <laughs> yes. Like just dictating how we move, do whatever with our bodies. Yes. But like yes. I'm going to chill. I'm going to chill on that. We'll yeah. start, we'll start <laughs> another like, podcast for that. <laughs> Yes. Well, and then also, I mean, kind of related to that, it's just um, when you're talking about uh, the acuity difference in a hospital, like in a home birth or a birth center, you have one to two or three, I mean, depending on the situation, like maybe you have twins or whatever, midwives that are there for you and you only. Um, Like, for example, in my particular case, one midwife was also a NICU nurse uh, and she was there the whole time with my kind of kind of quote unquote my midwife that took care of me. She was the one that actually like delivered my daughter. And then the other midwife was there to provide. Of course, she's a midwife, so she can help me as well. But I just wasn't I hadn't seen her the whole pregnant, you know, throughout the whole pregnancy. Um, And so that kind of quote unquote, as we call it, acuity level is a really good acuity level for compared to the hospital. So people say, oh, the hospital is safer. But what does that really mean? What is really the difference? The difference is you have usually one RN to two, anywhere from one to four patients in this particular setting, depending on the day. If they're short-staffed, that can be worse, Um, depending on what nurse you get. And I love nurses. This is not like a stab at nurses. They are amazing and they make the health system run. But they're Um, everybody has about two to four years of nursing experience when you're talking about an associate or a bachelor nurse, Um, less if you're talking LVNs, but they don't usually work L&D, usually. So, um, and and when you become a labor and delivery nurse, the difference in training is usually like six months of training, whereas a midwife, I mean, that's years of training. Um, and even the best L and D nurse, which they, there are amazing ones. I don't mean to say that there aren't, they're truly, uh, my hats off to them. I could not do what they do every day, but, um, there is no humanly possible way that one L and D nurse can be with one to four or, you know, two to four patients at the same time. Um, also when you're talking physicians, oftentimes, especially at night, there's like one physician for the entire floor. Um, that's an obstetrician. And then like maybe one anesthesiologist, though sometimes they have to call them in depending right. on the hospital size. Um, so like, is that really safer? I mean, there are RNs who have to deliver babies because the doctors can't make it in time. And again, they're amazing. But like the real difference when you really get down to brass tacks is an OR. That's the difference. And I bet you a lot of the labor and delivery nurses, their big thing that they always tell me, which I totally hear them. I hear them loud and clear. Um, they say you, sometimes you never know what's going to come through that door and you never know what's going to happen next. Things can just change on a dime, which is true. But if that L and D nurse, that experienced, amazing L and D nurse could have been with that one patient and had been schooled for, you know, two to four years and had, you know, my midwife had like 30 years experience. Do they really mean to tell me that there'd be tons and tons of surprises if they could be in that room that entire time and watch that mother? Mm. Probably not. There'd probably be a lot of opportunities to intervene prophylactically or to know, oh, there's something brewing. We need to escalate care to a hospital or, you know, obviously you're at the hospital, so an obstetrician. But so when people just say, you know, oh, the hospital's safer, bar none, that's it. There's a little bit more to it. (laughs) You're kind of at the mercy of who's there. 
and what time and what hospital, et cetera. So that really ticks me off when you compare two or more incredibly trained midwives who have the luxury of just having that one patient at hand to a nurse who has to somehow, I don't know how they do it, somehow run between multiple rooms. Sometimes they're pushing and laboring at the same time. I mean, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. (laughs) It's incomparable. It's incomparable. What you, what you just described with that, that, you know, that scenario where the person who's there for the entire process can then detect something, can, can notice, hey, this, this is happening, so why don't we go ahead and escalate this? That mm-hmm. was almost verbatim the conversation that we had with our midwife and, and, yeah. her, and, her, and her team. It was, you know, she's going to be with us throughout, you know, the early, earliest parts of labor and she will be able to spot things, you know, like you said, yeah. decades of experience. And that to me was, was insanely comforting. So you know, true. Because I, I was somebody who was not down with the home birth when we first started talking about it because of all my oh. fears, because of all of the, you know, well, the hospital's absolutely safer. Are you kidding me? And there's doctors and if this goes wrong and if that goes wrong. But the scenario you just painted is the scenario that I really thought about when, you know, speaking with our, de- with our midwife, Debbie, and, and, you know, and was like, wow, that's, that's very true. And it just allowed me to to you know really trust in their expertise and and um so anyway i'm I'm rambling but i want to know you're 100 percent on the money yes yeah. yeah, so thank you for describing that because when you did i was like wow that's that's exactly what we experienced because they are experts i mean that i think yeah. oh, oftentimes yeah. people kind of denounce their expertise no they are experts and it's kind of a disservice to them to compare them to like some sort of like lay person who has no experience, which is like a doula. There's almost like people call them a doula. Not that doulas aren't amazing. I love me some doulas, but <laughs> it's a different, you know, that's almost like in the media kind of how they're portrayed just like oh, yeah. off the street going to deliver a baby. It's just yeah. not the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's the information, I think just, you know, lack of information, lack of, of understanding yes. and just running with the assumptions and stories and, you know, I'm I'm guilty of it in in other areas, and I'm sure I don't remember all of my perceptions of home birth and midwives before we decided on it. But I imagine they were of the judgmental, unhealthy variety, and yeah. so it's just you pick those things up and you assume that anything that has to do with birth or medical, all of that needs to take place in a hospital with a doctor. You just assume that's that's what we're taught that you need to do. And yeah, so, they're uh, infallible. They're doctors. Yeah, I absolutely. mean, what could, you know, and they are amazing. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, no, so I, right. I have I, my, my, my father's a doctor and my mom is an RN. So, like, oh, so you have a really unique uh, perspective from yeah, growing yeah, up with that. Many, many doctors in my family. And so I'm, you know, I've, I've, I've been around those conversations and, and around those people in hospitals for my whole life. Um, and thank God for them. I mean, truly, absolutely. I appreciate their, their sacrifices, but it doesn't necessarily mean they need to be with every single birth is yeah so they are amazing i mean gosh their knowledge is astounding honestly just like with midwives (laughs) right so given your your history and your experience you know passionate about birth you know from the get-go and now your your experience in your profession what was it like then for you 
as Zoe's birth was imminent. <laughs> like as you're in the birthing <laughs> process, like what's it like now being on the other side of it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's amazing. I don't know if I'm the only one who does this. I don't think I am, but um, you get this like ability to just like really like I when I leave the hospital, like I turn my brain off, my nurse brain. Well, more or less. I mean, not completely, but like I'm very much able to like the patient side. It is a whole different thing. Like even though I can like when she gives me a shot of Pitocin, like at the end, I, I was bleeding a teeny bit. And so she just gave me like an intramuscular shot of Pitocin. No big deal. It was over. Um, but like I know what that means. I'm like, oh, should I be concerned about my bleeding? But th- and that's like on the one side of the brain. But then on the other side of the brain, you're a first time mom who is like, oh, I've got a baby and I'm just totally enthralled in this moment or like labor was not any easier, for example. Right. Um, <laughs> you don't get like an in. You don't- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish I wish it had. I mean, I, I wasn't again. I like I talked about earlier. I was she was I went into labor at 41 weeks and six days and ha- and delivered after midnight. So technically at 42 weeks. But that morning I was going to have to go be induced if she didn't come. And so I was very ready for her to be born. Oh, yeah. My fears of birth were pretty much gone. And I was like, dear God, like, get this baby out of me. I cannot stand to be pregnant <laughs> another day. <laughs> and so, um, but still, you know, labor was, you know, I, I told my husband, we prepared a little bit for the birth as far as, um, well, obviously I had my medical knowledge, but I'm not an L&D nurse. So there's still a lot of holes in my knowledge as far as, you know, I've got just a very basic knowledge of that. Uh, maybe a little above basic, but certainly not midwife status. Um, and so I, you know, we read um, that, you know, Ina May's, uh, I forgot which particular book, but I consider it her primary book, although that's kind of ignorant. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Um, maybe it's like the guide to childbirth or yeah, something. Yeah, I think, called, I think that's like what that. it is. I think you're correct. <laughs> I consider that her primary book for no particular reason. Um, and, you know, other, you know, I looked at the hypnobirthing and we kind of just vaguely researched, but I consider labor to be a bit of a rabbit hole. You do the best you can to prepare, but then when it starts, you're just going to jump down that rabbit hole and follow it where it goes. And that's the best you can do. Cope the best that you can. So my medical knowledge did not in any way help it not hurt or <laughs> or prepare me. And I was still just as nervous as far as, you know, oh, you know, she didn't cry a ton. Um, but my midwife wasn't worried. Her oxygen was great and she was perfectly well colored. So it was all fine. But you're like, oh, why isn't she crying? Is she OK? And the midwife, of course, is like, no, everything is just fine. No worries. So right. honestly, it didn't really do much as far as perhaps it made me a little bit more watchful. But um, I was still just your average kind of first time mom praying that everything goes smooth and it really mostly did. So I I was very fortunate, but I wish I could say that, oh, no, it made labor so easy. I was great. No, unfortunately not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who who all was there? Who was the birth team? Um, We kept it very private um, just because I didn't know you know, can I do this without an epidural? Is that it? Can I, I did. I'm so grateful, but it was just me, Chris, um, and our two midwives. And that was it in hindsight. I kind of wish I would have opened it up a little bit more, um, as far as family and maybe a photographer. And I do hope to do that again, you know, in the future, but, uh, you know, have all those people invite them in. Um, but that's just kind of what I do when I get scared or just, you know, get nervous about things, I tend to kind of like close in a little bit and want to be left alone. <laughs> and so that's a bit of a fault of mine, but it, it turned out to be a really beautiful experience and it went 
very nearly perfectly according to plan. I mean, no birth was perfectly according to plan. <laughs> otherwise, it'd be painless with no drugs. It'd be magical. But <laughs> but uh, otherwise, yeah, it was a very private um, time. And it was really just beautiful to just kind of start our family, just, just us. It was kind of sweet. Although, again, next time I might open it up a little bit more. Right. And did you use that water like you had intended? To... Oh, you'll laugh. So I hated the bath. It was ah! awful. Isn't that hilarious? (laughs) I couldn't stand it. I was like, this is awful. She wouldn't, I like my water like piping hot, but if you do that, your blood vessels, of course, open and then your blood pressure can drop. So there's kind of a limit on how hot the water can be. And I like like scalding hot, like it's not healthy, I'm sure. Sounds like Sarah. <laughs> yeah. You do? It's just, I like I my know, bath is like, really hot also. It's comforting. And then Chris is like, are you like okay? You're going to burn yourself. I'm like, no, this, this feels comfortable. So, of course, I couldn't do that. And then um, at our old house, so we've since moved, it had a beautifully large tub, but um, the soap dish is like inserted into the wall. And so I'm like trying to like get like, um, uh, what's that word? Like that position to like push and I kind of put my legs um, like on either side of the tub and the soap dish, I kept having to move my head. So I was like, get, get me out of here. And so I like labored mostly on the toilet for like literally like five hours. So glamorous, so glam. Um, <laughs> just because I had a really, uh, premature desire. That was actually the hardest part for me. The contractions, um, were of course difficult, not like, Oh yeah, I'm so great. Contractions don't hurt. But, um, I had this urge to push. I thought, that I had to fight, um, after like the first hour of labor and my labor lasted like six and a half, seven hours. And so this constant, like your body just wants to push and you can't because you're like four centimeters dilated, not a good plan. You know, you'll, you'll cause swelling in your cervix. So that actually to me was the hardest part. And by sitting on the toilet, I was able to kind of more cope with that feeling. And so I could feel the kind of up and down of contractions, but that actually was really side to like having to like breathe. And literally every contraction, I would sit on the toilet for hours and just be like, this can, this, this urge to push is not going to win. This urge to push is not going to win. I'm not going to put like just each single one. And then after all that, I tried to push in the water cause that was what I wanted to do. And I ended up being on that, um, stool thing I don't know what they call it that little where there's like a little hole in the stool and birthing you, stool is what they called it for stool. me that's where okay, I birthed yes. Maya yeah yes and that's what I did and I and, and Chris sat behind me on the little birthing ball and like supported me and that was actually yeah. so it's so funny that this this little crux this whole water birth thing is like what changed my entire trajectory and then I didn't even want to do it <laughs> that is pretty funny <laughs> it was kind of I guess meant to be anyway <laughs> So when you were fully dilated and you were kind of given the okay to push, was that something that you were easily, not easily, but, you know, were you able to get into that, that pushing sensation? What did, you know, how did that happen for you? Uh, Well, it's funny you ask because, you know, after hours of just fighting this urge, you would have thought like, I'd be like, all right, let's go. But I actually couldn't, I, I almost felt kind of numb to that feeling that I like didn't know how to do it anymore. And so literally like the entire pushing, which was I think 45 minutes to an hour, kind of, you know, standard first time mom time, I think. Um, Like my midwife actually had to kind of press on my um, like vaginal area or cervical area. I'm not really sure. I don't know what area, but she had to push on it to help me know where to push. And I couldn't even feel the contractions by the end. I just kind of generally hurt. 
And so she's like, push with the contractions. And I'm like, I don't know when I'm having a contraction. So I just pushed just, which is stupid. That's not a good plan, by the way, <laughs> listen to your body is a better plan. Um, but I was just like, I'm going to push this baby out. So I guess by sheer force of will, I just pushed indiscriminately <laughs> and she came out eventually, which I was now I'm kind of like, I'm hoping this, I, I am pregnant with my second, I'm 14 weeks. And so we're oh, doing Christmas. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. I forgot. I like didn't mention that. I guess I expected you to be psychic. Oh, <laughs> my so cool. Congrats. Sorry. Um, yeah. So Christmas day is our due date for, we don't know boy or girl oh, or anything yet. Awesome. Still early days, but, um, I'm really hoping and praying that that early premature urge to push doesn't happen. And so I can kind of feel what labor is supposed to feel like yeah. and pushing is supposed to feel like. That's cool. We have big smiles on our faces so over here. Oh, that's so Thank exciting. you. Well, and Thank with you. the time frame since Zoe's birth, I mean, this will just be my wish for you putting out there. She kind of carved the pathway very nicely. So baby number two might just like, you know, slide right you out. out oh, God, I hope so. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears. I hope so. I, and my mother um, had a what they call precipitous birth with my brother, who's younger than me. So I was first, so my brother was second. And um, she had him in like under three hours. And I'm like, if that could just happen for me, like just long enough for the midwife to get there, I'm down for that. That's cool with me. Yeah, we'll sign up And for like that two pushes. Well. <laughs> yeah. Let's, where do I sign? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gosh, Alyssa, thank you so much. I mean, here, this was an awesome interview for so many reasons. And then you just top it all off with that amazing cherry. Yeah. Like, oh, that's you. so great. And you, oh, I had so much fun. Your, your experience and your, just the way you deliver it too, like very real, like you kick it straight, but then it's also <laughs> just like, it comes from a very well thought out and very like heart centered place. And I just think it's so cool. Oh, thank you. Well, and I just, I think all the same things for your podcast, heart centered, real. I love it. I just, I so appreciate what y'all do. And thank you so much for having me. Yes. And you have to keep us posted on yes, you do. this, this movie number two progress. <laughs> yeah, we will have Deal. to uh, have another conversation. Oh, I would love that. Oh, and I'm just hoping there will just be nothing to tell. I had two contractions. The baby came <laughs> yeah. out. It was great. The end. The shortest episode in the yeah. history of the show. Yes. I would love to be that for you, but I, you know, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you again. Thank you so much. I so enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for everything and all that y'all do. I so very much appreciate it. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad approved. Dadages. Hi there. I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.